Welcome to Better Than Expected, a podcast about family, marriage, special needs, and the crazy people who live it. With your hosts, Ryan and Natalie. My name is Ryan Carroll. I am a CVICU nurse, and I've been a nurse for about seven years now. I work in central Arkansas at one of the major hospitals for Arkansas. I have about five years of medical ICU experience and about eight months of CVICU experience. I love being a father of our two wonderful kids, and I also have a huge passion for board games and also like to play video games, and we'll get into more of that in later podcasts. Hi, I'm Natalie. Right now, I am a therapist for children, and mostly I see kids at an alternative learning environment for elementary age, which is my favorite age to work with, no matter what I'm doing. Um, I have been a therapist before with that same age group, but the last three years, up until uh, this past September, September 2017, I've been at home with our kids, Ethan and Caitlin. Um and Ethan is five. Ethan is our child with Down syndrome, which is where a lot of the things about special needs will come into play in this podcast. And then we have a two-year-old, Caitlin, who's very spunky, very much into that terrible two stage right now. But she's also really sweet and too smart for her own good. We actually come to you right now from the eve of one of Ethan's surgeries. And that's actually going to be the topic of our podcast today is surgery what you can expect, what you should possibly bring with you, just all these topics that we've found through the years of many, many surgeries of what's actually helpful for us. And we know a lot of you who might be listening to this have never had to take a child to surgery. And we just thought it would be good for us to really take time to talk about this. Yeah, so uh, tomorrow he is getting up bright and early and it's going to be getting a g-tube placed and it will be a button to my understanding to where he doesn't have to be connected to the feeding tube all the time but throughout the day when he needs to get his liquids we can connect it and so we'll be learning about how to deal with that he's been on feeding tubes this past hospitalizations but it's been an ng tube you know through the nose so um, we're going to be trying this out for a few different reasons I don't know if you want to talk about that, Ryan, the yeah. reasons we're getting this done. So, as Nellie mentioned earlier when she was talking about our kids, Ethan has Down syndrome, and there's lots of stuff that comes along with Down syndrome. There's therapies that the kids need because of their low muscle tone, which is due to their genetic makeup. There's um, sometimes heart defects that comes along with the Down syndrome diagnosis. About 50% of kids with Down syndrome have heart defects. There's also low muscle tone throughout the entire body, which I know I said low muscle tone just a second ago, but this low muscle tone, it can affect the GI tract, it can affect the trachea, it can affect the esophagus, and all of these combined can create issues where these kids have difficulties where they can't swallow appropriately. And so when they swallow, they aspirate. And so our son's actually had this issue since about eight months old when he got the flu. Essentially, Ethan's having troubles with swallowing. And so what that leads to is dehydration because of thickener 
he has a low desire to drink because he's also one thickener. His liquids are, on average, honey thick. And for the past about six months, we've been on stiff honey. So that's just almost pudding. Imagine trying to, everything you drink, be pudding. And that's very difficult for kids. So that's why we really felt we're chronically dehydrated. He's chronically underweight. We can't get him to drink extra nutrient fluids. So with thorough conversations with his physicians, both his pulmonologist, his endocrinologist, his primary care, care, his ear, nose, and throat doctor, we decided it would be a good idea for us to try a G-tube. Now, what Natalie was saying about the button is it's actually a really cool device. If you've ever seen a feeding tube, a permanent feeding tube, especially in adults, they usually have this extension tubing that comes out, and it can get really yucky looking. But the pediatrics have gone to what's called a button, and it's just it literally looks like a button that's snug up against the patient's belly, and you attach your feeding to that, and then you can detach it, and it's real smooth, and it's easier to clean and easier to exchange. And that's what our son will be getting. So what we really wanted to do with this first podcast was piggyback off of the planning that we are doing right now for Ethan's surgery and use that to give tips and pointers for anyone at home that may be preparing for a surgery in the near future for their child or their loved one. So that's what this podcast is really going to focus on. Um, We're going to hit topics primarily over what to expect whenever you're going to surgery yeah, any surgery. Right. What emotionally to expect, what physically to expect. And we're also going to give you a top 10 of items to bring, things to do to prepare for the surgery. So that's what we're going to cover in this podcast. So let's dive in and talk about what to expect whenever your child or loved one is about to have surgery. Especially if it's your child and you live somewhere where there is a state hospital for children, such as Arkansas Children's Hospital, chances are they have wired this to a T. They do this every day. They have an ambulatory surgery center that will call you the day or two before surgery, say, ask you all the history questions, what medications your child's on, and then giving you instructions of when to be there, what to do the night before, not let your child have anything to eat or drink after midnight, and so on and so forth, depending on your specific surgery. So the hardest thing for kids, especially kids that can communicate well, is the not getting to eat or drink the next morning. They're not going to understand why, and that's okay. A lot of times the younger kids are going to be there at 5 a.m., 5.30 a.m. As a matter of fact, tomorrow morning we have to be at Arkansas Children's Hospital at 5.30 a.m., So there's lots of things to prepare for going into it. Um, So my wife is going to talk to you about the emotional aspect of having surgery with your child or loved one. Yeah, so of course they've always got to talk to you about their risks of anesthesia, which that sort of thing doesn't happen that often, but they have to talk to you about it. And... Really, our, our son's first surgery was for his intestines, but it was his first day, and we were new parents, so I didn't have a lot of time 
to really think over that. But the heart surgery, usually when your child is having a surgery, a lot of them aren't going to be right off the bat. Some of them are. But if it's when they're a little older, you have time to kind of, unfortunately, build up some anxiety um, and think about those risks. And I remember crying and the man, telling the anesthesiologist, asking if I needed a moment on the pre-op day for our son's heart surgery, which we'll probably talk about some in the future since it is so common, like my husband said, with Down syndrome, it can be pretty common. Some need surgery, some don't. But so, yeah, just thinking about what's coming and then when you have to hand your child over really no matter what age they are when they're younger they might not be totally aware of what's going on and just their expression doesn't change they're just like okay bye if they don't have that separation anxiety yet obviously it will be stressful in a different way if your child is at that separation anxiety stage then you also as a parent feel separation anxiety because your child's about to be put to sleep and be worked on maybe their chest is being opened Maybe not, but honestly, any surgery is stressful. One of my friends said, oh, I hate to even ask because your son has had heart surgery, but please pray for my son. I'm really stressed about getting tubes. And I said, anytime your kid is put under that stressful, I mean, it's all, it can all be kind of scary. Um, so yeah, that's, that's something that's kind of hard, but fortunately, a lot of them are kind of fast. So as soon as you kind of start to sweat it a little, then it's over and the kid's fine usually hopefully there's not something complex we've had a couple of times where we got a call um, or someone came to us in the OR and had to tell us that they had to work more on something but every turn everything turned out better than expected later um, and, and it was I, okay. I want to interject here for just a second um, I'll never forget Ethan's heart surgery and we were in the waiting room there's a special waiting room for kids with having heart surgery at Arkansas Children's Hospital for the and, family yeah and then my family was there well when I say my family my my parents and my brother and his wife and my sister were there and um my wife's parents were there and yeah. we had siblings out in another room they came in to see us and the parents could be in there with us yeah so the circulating nurse came out to update the family on what was taking so long. Um, they had closed Ethan's chest and let his heart start beating again on its own. And all, they found that one of his valves was just too stenosis to work. And so they had to open him back up and fix it. And that's what was taking so long. And I was like, Oh, okay. That's not a big deal. Cool. The rest of the room thought the world had ended. And it was just this funny comparison for me of differences in how people perceive things. <laughs> um, and it just, for some reason, that just kind of reminded me of that, that sometimes things come across that you don't realize they're coming across that way. Right. And speaking of the waiting room, I remember th thinking ahead... I don't remember if someone told me to do this or I just knew for that heart surgery, excuse me, that I would be a nervous wreck. And it was a long one. How long was that one? Six hours. Yeah. We had to wait a long time and sweat it out. <laughs> Lots of great people praying for us and, you know, but it's still stressful even though you try to not stress. But I brought knitting with me because I was knitting a scarf or something. Just like something to keep you busy, whatever that is for you. 
I mean, surgeries don't happen that often, so eat your stress if you can. If you're allowed to have snacks, oh, you're probably not allowed to have snacks most of those weddings, though. But get something to keep yourself occupied is one of my tips. Yes, so. um, and I'll also speak to the emotional expectations or what you can expect to feel. Um, I know for me personally, it was very difficult knowing that my son in six months was likely to have to have this major open heart surgery. And so that made it difficult for me for a long time to grow attached to my son because I was scared that if something happened at six months, it would just devastate me. But if I wasn't attached, well, it wouldn't be quite so bad. And that was not necessarily a healthy thing for me to do, but it was something that I had to face. And so if you have to grasp some of those more difficult emotions, knowing that your young baby or your child is going to have to have this big surgery, don't feel like you're alone in that because you are faced with these huge emotions leading up to sometimes even a minor surgery, like getting tubes in your ears. You're still handing your child off to somebody else. They're probably going to put that child in some sort of anesthetic, whether it's just a moderate sedation, which is just lightly under or completely under. Um, and that's always scary. You're entrusting your child to a completely other person and they are managing everything for your child. And so that's definitely scary. So don't feel like there's something wrong with you if you feel this way, because it's definitely intimidating and scary. Mm-hmm. And something we are also kind of reflecting on is as much as you can, even though you are going to be increasingly anxious, possibly leading up to any surgery, try to get as much sleep as you can the week mm-hmm. before. Because the night before, depending on how serious the surgery is or just how much of a how much of an overthinker you are, <laughs> you may not sleep the night before. And then you're probably not going to sleep if you stay the night in the hospital that night. And then your kid might be in pain, especially ooh, if you have to do like a tonsillectomy. They don't get a lot of hard pain meds anymore for that. It's like, here's some Tylenol and ibuprofen to deal with it at home. So not only that, when you get home, your kid might be in pain in the middle of the night, so you're not going to be sleeping very much. It's almost like having a new baby. So sleep as much Mm. as you can the week before Mm. a surgery. And use your resources as well. Um, This kind of ties into the whole physical expectations um, post-op. Most of your physical expectations are going to be post-op issues and that is exactly sleep deprivation because especially if it's your child like my wife was saying you're not going to get a whole lot of sleep we were not prepared when ethan had his tonsil and adenoidectomy we were not prepared for how little sleep we were going to get the next two weeks and it was a solid two weeks it was 14 days of misery and use your resources for people around and don't just ask one person if you know like five people that have had a child with a tna done then ask five people how did it go what can i expect after this because we did not realize that oh my goodness we were not going to sleep for two weeks and we also didn't realize that the breath of a child (laughs) after having a tonsil and adenectomy will melt the paint off of walls so you heard it here first y'all it is (laughs) Uh, one of our friends called it the breath of a thousand dragons. Yeah. <laughs> and that is so true. 
Yes, I remember rocking him. Not, I didn't do a lot of rocking. He was two when he got that done, but since he was hurting, he got to be rocked, of course. But I, I don't even have a good sense of smell, y'all, at all. And I was having a quilt over my nose while I was rocking him, but he wasn't old enough to be offended by that. Well, he's so <laughs> laid back, he probably be offended now. He just laughed. But, oh, it's, it's bad. Yeah. We could do some tips about that in the future, because that is a hellish ordeal, and you have to do it all at home, pretty much. <laughs> And the last thing we really want to discuss with you guys before we get into our top 10 things to prepare for your child's surgery is the recovery room. The recovery room can be very intimidating. And the things I want to hit on are mostly coming from a parent's perspective of someone who's in the medical field. So when you walk into the recovery room, your child's likely still going to be very sleepy, pretty well out of it, or extremely angry at you, at the nurses, at the doctors who did this to them. It is very, very common for kids to wake up after having general anesthesia very cranky. Even if the surgery is minor, they may be very cranky. If you feel your child is hurting and you don't feel it's being addressed by the staff, speak up. I cannot say that enough. Advocate for your child. You are your child's advocate. Speak up. I don't care if Joe Blow Nurse doesn't like it. I have been Joe Blow Nurse. Advocate to me. Advocate, advocate, advocate. I can't say it enough because that child can't do it. Our son recently had a partial epiglottoplasty and a laryngeal clip done. And so during that, he woke up and was just in excruciating pain. And this relatively new nurse was... Um, really uncomfortable with giving some narcotics to him. And so we kept saying, hey, he's hurting. He's hurting. We need to do something for him. And a more experienced nurse went and grabbed the anesthesiologist and said, this kid's hurting. We're giving him more meds. And they did. They gave him more meds, probably more than some would feel comfortable giving, but it was enough for him. You know your child. That nurse in the recovery room does not. They know norms, what's typical. Your child is not typical. Your child is your child. So feel free to politely set the record straight. That's my biggest tip I can give you on that is advocate for your child and never feel bad about it. But if it's a more intense surgery, again, I'm going to go back to this. If you know people or there are groups of people on Facebook or something that you can get in touch with to ask what to expect in the recovery room. For example, heart surgery is a much different recovery room aspect than something as simple as a tonsil and adenoidectomy. Tonsil and adenoidectomy, you're in a big hall with a whole bunch of other kids and then you recover and you either go home or you stay overnight. With a heart surgery, you're in the cardiovascular ICU your kid's going to be hooked up to a ventilator and they're going to have all sorts of tubes coming out. They're going to have blood coming out. It's a much different experience than something that's a lot less minor. So use your resources. Again, that's probably the second biggest tip I can give you in preparing for what to expect when you go through this process. Because it's not going to be easy. But the more you can talk to people about it, the better you can have in your mind what you're going to see. And you can walk into it much more calmly than if you had no idea. 
Is there anything you wanted to add on the recovery room? The recovery room. Um, that, well, maybe it's for older kids that there are a lot of people in there at once. You don't always think about that because you're just thinking about your baby getting out, whatever age your baby is, but there are some curse words flying around from a very distraught teenager. Bless her heart. She was having a rough time. And it's just, I think sometimes that stresses the younger kids out hearing the shouting of other kids. So just, just got to love on them and get them through that. And then they're a little bit more rational once that medicine wears off. But it's kind of a wild place sometimes. Yes, it can be. And now we want to encourage anyone who's listening to this. If you have any questions, please feel, feel free to reach out to us. Our email account is better than expected 321 at gmail.com we can also be found on facebook at better than expected we would love to get any questions or feedback from you guys so please feel free to email us or reach out to us via facebook so i know we've talked a lot about what to expect whenever you go to surgery but one thing that we wanted to cover was just our top 10 things that we do to prepare for surgery and i know we hit on it earlier but the number one thing that I can highly recommend is sleep. Sleep, 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 sleep. We're not going to say any more about that. That's my number one. My number two is snacks. You're likely to go long periods of time without snacks. You might not be allowed to leave your child's bedside. So it's always good just to have snacks for whenever you're one-on-one with your child immediately after surgery. Also in that same category, I would add bring bottles of water and soda. Mm-hmm. Uh, with you because you never know how long you're going to again be without water snacks caffeine these are all very important things to bring with you and my number three is Tylenol or ibuprofen and yes I know a lot of you moms out there are thinking of course I carry that with me everywhere I go guys do not however carry that wherever they go so I <laughs> really recommend you set that aside and bring it with you as a matter of fact we're actually recording this last segment after Ethan's surgery, and I forgot the Tylenol. And <laughs> oh my goodness, did I get a caffeine neglect headache, and it was miserable. So don't forget your Tylenol or ibuprofen. And then finally, my number four is something to occupy your time with, especially after surgery. If it's a major surgery, they're going to be tired or on the ventilator for a day or so just depending on what they have done so you may have lots of free time up there that you need to occupy your time with so that you're not stressed out for me I will take a book or I'll take my Nintendo Switch with me so I just have something to occupy my mind I don't necessarily like to sit and play on my phone all day so there are tons of things you can bring with you just make sure you plan ahead to bring that with you yeah, and that, that reminds me that one of the times, well, Ethan was in the hospital the longest, and he was on a ventilator for a while, so there was that. When you sat back there, you were pretty much just being your kid's advocate and just kind of hanging out. So that's actually when I started um, our blog, Better Than Expected, and also I attempted to knit some baby hats in a more difficult way. <laughs> I found an easier way later, but... Yeah. Oh, before you go on to number five, uh, I want to also say in that same scenario, uh, which is also not necessarily due to surgery, but it also will help take your mind off of all yeah. the anxiety 
uh, the beeps and bells and whistles of what's going on uh, with your child. So you really shouldn't feel like you need to worry about those things. Just have something that you can do that you could maybe sit in the bed with your child um, if they're a little bit older or beside the crib that you could do just to occupy your mind with as you guys work towards going home. Yeah. And some of the ones I came up with, uh, one of them, it's important everywhere, and you always think you're probably going to remember this, but Ryan ended up forgetting it, unfortunately, and it made it sort of difficult, but a charger, a phone charger. Also, if you want to use your computer, bring your computer charger, of course. Um, Because they'll have a room phone, probably, but you probably don't want people calling, waking your kid up, waking you up, and... It's just nice to be able to text and things like that. So definitely bring your charger. Um, Sometimes in emergency rooms and other places, they might have a little charging station. But for you staying in that room overnight, you want a charger. And so number six is tablets for the child, maybe for yourself, but um, other toys for your child. Because even though at least our kids, Children's Hospital has a nice little setup with movies that are uploaded to a little iPad that's mounted to something. That's the newer thing they have. I would not count on that because things don't always work right and the priority is kids on the unit getting their health taken care of and they try to see to the needs of the technology but I mean technology in the hospital rooms may fail so I would bring a tablet if your kid is a tablet watcher which pretty much all this generation of little ones like tablets and um, yeah, just whatever toys and things that maybe could be cleaned easily. The number seven is pillows or blankets from home. I know I'm really particular, Ryan is too, about our pillows. So even though they provide those in the hospital, they're really thin, you probably wanna bring your own. Um, I've also seen what goes on those pillows and you don't really <laughs> want to lay your head on there. Oh gosh. Just saying. Well, surely they clean them thoroughly, but. They do, but it's still. It's a mind thing probably for you. <laughs> but still. Yeah. And also, like, just if you're cold nature. I mean, they give you a blanket, but I feel like I'm like, can I have another blanket? Another, another. And it just gets kind of awkward after a while <laughs> to keep asking the nurse for blankets. And sometimes they kind of smell funny even though they're clean. Just That's just a personal preference. I like my own blankets and pillows. And number eight, I put diapers. I didn't necessarily bring that many diapers because we're fine with the type of diapers that are provided in the hospital. I mean, it's, a, it's nice that our hospitals either pampers or huggies, depending on the age, but some people's kids have sensitivities and maybe they just, for whatever reason, they don't want to use it. So it's just, just something I thought of that might be something you're particular about. And I will interject saying that most children's hospitals will provide diapers for your child, but again, that goes to the um, sensitivity issue. So if it's a big sensitivity yeah. issue with the skin, then you might need to bring your own. You also need to have some on hand while you're in the waiting room because yes. they're not going to provide diapers for you while you're waiting to go back to the staging area for surgery, so pre-op. So while you're waiting to mm-hmm. go back to pre-op, they're not going to provide you with your diapers. Yeah, and at the heart surgery, I think I only brought like one thinking, oh, well, they said this is the time we're supposed to be there. I thought that we just would be taken back pretty quick. So it was really the first one where we had time to prepare for the surgery, the second one. But so, yeah, we uh, we had to ask for one and anyways. So number nine, clothes. If your kid, you think maybe they need special clothes, um, like easy access, 
for some equipment there, having put in some kind of tube or just something that would be easier with the pulse locks on the toe and a nasal cannula, um, like some button-up sleepers or just something different you would know and you could probably alter some things yourself. Um, in the hospital, they'll have those gowns will make it easier, but some people just prefer to let their kid wear some clothes from home. So you might want to think about that when you pack the clothes, how it's going to work around all that medical equipment. And then number 10, kind of jokingly put this, but your child, <laughs> make sure you bring your child to the surgery, like getting everything together, being stressed. And sometimes if you're taking two cars, I mean, hey, I, you know, it might have happened or people might not think about when they're discharged make sure you have the right car keys the car and a car seat and all of that in place so mm -hmm. those those are our 10 tips mm -hmm. of what to be prepared for for surgery the final thing we'll leave you with is no matter what circumstance no matter what's going on with your child roll with the punches nothing is ever going to be exactly as you expect it to be it will always turn out to be better than you expected it no pun intended, but just be willing to roll with the punches. Unexpected things happen. It's yeah. not the end of the world. It may feel like the end of the world, but it's not. You will make it through it, and it will get better. So just remember that whenever you're going through your next surgery or next major ordeal, to just try to sit back, roll with the punches, and meet each unexpected turn as it comes. Yeah. And that's the conclusion of our first podcast we hope you enjoyed it please again feel free to provide feedback for us through better than expected 321 at gmail.com or through our facebook page better than expected until next time i'm ryan and i'm natalie thanks for listening